beautifully done. Let's stand again, please. This morning, I'd ask you to turn to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel, and uh, we're going to take a look at uh, 1 Samuel, first part, and then we're going to take a look at verse 25. I know it might seem to be an unusual text for uh, a message just before Christmas, but trust me, stay with me, and you'll see where I'm going. Sometimes it's Sometimes it's hard to follow what I do and what I think. I, I get that. Uh, but I do usually have a plan. And so stay with me for this thought this morning, okay? Amen. You know what? Let's just read 1 Samuel 20 and verse 25 for time's sake today. The Bible says, And the king sat upon his seat, as at other times, even upon a seat by the wall, and Jonathan arose, and Abner sat by Saul's side. And watch these next words. And David's place was empty. My thought for the, this morning is, who wasn't home for Christmas? I mentioned this a few years back. It's something I noticed, but I want to preach it today. Who wasn't home for Christmas? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and Lord, how rich it is, how inexhaustible it is. And Lord, I know your people have come to church today to hear something from your word, and, and I pray, Lord, you take this message and speak to all of our hearts. Please be with the children in the back and those working with them. Please, Lord, be with the deaf church as they assemble around your word this morning. Please be with us here in this auditorium. And we pray that this message would stir us. Lord, not just stir us, but Lord, help us to move closer to you. If there be someone, a child or an adult, perhaps a visitor that's here today and knows not Jesus, Father, I pray through the work of the Holy Spirit and your word that they would hear the message and be gloriously saved. And Lord, be with us the saints today and draw us closer to you, more fit for your service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Who wasn't home for Christmas? Here is Saul, King Saul. He's having a feast. And at this feast, David was not in his place. The Bible says, and David's place was empty. This spoke to me, and I hope it speaks to you this morning. Again, it may seem like a strange text near Christmas time, but again, stay with me in my thought. Remember, David is a type and picture of Jesus Christ. You need to keep that in mind as we take a look at this text this morning about Christ and Christmas. But many Bible verses, and we can't establish uh, all of them, read all of them, but many Bible texts 
they typify Jesus as being like Jesus, our Savior. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 6, or Psalm chapter 2 and verse 6, David wrote, and it is a messianic psalm, several of them, speaking about the Messiah to come. In Psalm 2 verse 6 says, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill in Zion. Paul picks that up in Romans chapter 11 and verse 26, and Paul says, And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion a deliverer. And of course, we know this is speaking of David, but prophetically of Jesus Christ. David was king by divine ordination, and so is Jesus. David was ordained for two purposes, according to 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 2. Listen, also in time past when Saul was king over us, thou wast he that led us out and broughtest in Israel. And the Lord said unto thee, watch it, thou shalt feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be captain over Israel. David would feed the people and be captain. Jesus Christ feeds his sheep, and he is our captain. Amen. David was shepherd. And later king, so was Jesus Christ. David conquered the greatest of foes, so has Christ spiritually, most importantly. David enlarged the city of God, so has Christ enlarged the heavenly city of God. David was greatly loved and sought after, so is Christ by his loyal followers, his disciples. I count myself one, I hope you do. David was obedient to his father's commands and so was Jesus coming to this earth to be born of a virgin. David was rejected by his brethren, and so was Jesus Christ. And today, Christ is rejected by this world for the most part. David reigned and ruled from the holy city. And listen, one day Jesus Christ will rule and reign from Jerusalem. He will be king of kings and lord of lords. Amen to the glory of God. So we could go on and on and on. So we've established that David is a picture and a type of Jesus Christ. As I look at this verse today, David missing in his place, I think of Jesus who left heaven to come here for you and I. Amen. And for a while, Jesus was not in his place in heaven. He was down here by the will of the Father. I want us to understand today that Saul was having this celebration feast and the one that he had his eyes on at that time most was not present. He was not home for this particular feast. And there's where my thought comes. Not home for Christmas. You know, at this time of the year, we think of how that relates to some people in our lives, some people we know, how some people are not home for Christmas this year. Each year, this joyous occasion... People gather around with family, they come to church, they worship God, they sing, they meet for a family meal, they exchange gifts, and sometimes there are some people at that time that are hurting more than others because of a, a fresh wound in their heart because someone's passed or someone's away from the table. I first of all think of the military servicemen and women that will not be home for Christmas. Why? Because they're faithful to their country. Pray for them. For the troops that are deployed all around the world, some, some stateside, many foreign posts, making sure our freedoms are kept intact, amen, and peace is around this world. 
Pray for them and their families. They'll be missing on Christmas morn. Family dinners, events like school concerts for their children, the Christmas pageant at church. They're missing at other times and other celebrations, birthdays, anniversaries. Why? Because they're serving their country. At Christmas time, there is an empty place sometimes at the table because of those that are serving their country. We pray for their safety. We pray for their return. Uh, we ought to be grateful. We ought to thank them. Take time to write a note. Send a letter. Support them and their causes. And by the way, please support the veterans that have served our country well through all its conflicts and wars in time past that were away from their family for a good amount of time. I'm thinking of them. Huh? Uh, don't forget them. I'm thinking of our missionaries. Serving God. The gospel. Our churches. Those churches that support them monthly with finance and with prayers and support because they're on the front lines for the gospel. You do want to know they're under, they're under great attack by Satan. Satan's got a target on their back because they've sold out for Jesus Christ, have gone to pastor a church or be an evangelist or be on the foreign field for Jesus. Remember them as you celebrate Christmas. Pray for their wives. Pray for their husbands. Pray for their children, their parents, their siblings, their friends. Pray for them when they're missing their home at Christmas time and New Year's and birthdays and so forth. Pray for their daily strength because they are the ministers of God and are sometimes not accepted by those they go to to minister to. Maybe most times. Pray for their faithful support from Christians and churches to stay stable and timely as they function on a strange land for God's glory and for his gospel, to keep their family intact, to keep the funds coming in so they can minister the gospel by songbooks and gospel tracts and the things they pay out of their own pockets so that the church is born. Amen. And I remind you, if you are a giver here at our church and missions, this is not the time to take your missions money and buy presents with it. It's a time to be faithful because they have needs. So when you make a commitment, keep your commitment even during the holidays. That's free. God bless you. Amen. <laughs> but I'm thinking again about those that are bereaved here at Christmas time and holiday time. They won't be home for Christmas. They're missing from those family events, home life. Of course, we think of the Narkeviches this year. There's a lot of people, so don't be offended. The Balkas, the Jurgers, just yesterday. They come to mind. Others, obviously. People are hurting today because there is someone missing at the table. It's a hard time. It's a sorrowful time uh, when we lose our closest loved ones. Pray for them because they're remembering so much uh, the good times and the celebrations. Pray for their broken heart and their broken home. Pray for their mates, their children, their grandchildren. Pray for the parents and grandparents, their siblings, other precious friends and loved ones. 
Pray for them not just at Christmas time, but all the occasions that bring back so many pleasant memories, but at the same time sorrowful memories, birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, and so forth. Pray for the churches that miss them, that miss their presence, that miss their worship, miss their service for Christ. Yeah, when you think of Christmas, I think of this verse here of those that won't be home for Christmas. But today I'm going to focus on this, this thought about Jesus leaving heaven, leaving the worship of the angels, leaving the fellowship with the Father in that sense, because they always had fellowship, don't get me wrong. But he left his home in glory. And I want to first say in Luke chapter 2 this morning, if you want to turn there, of course, that's our main verses sometimes at Christmas time. We're going to read in chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, that there are some hardships associated with the first Christmas. With the very first Christmas, there were hardships. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, and watch this, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. We see hardships in this verse. First of all, we see in hardship, they were compelled, they were forced of a trip. Mary and Joseph were to go back to Bethlehem. And they were complying to Herod's forced census that meant that they had to go back to the place of origin of family history. And of course, this was not their normal home. So Mary and Joseph were not home for Christmas Mary was from the northern part of the country, and she received this message right at the time that she's with child, and she lived during her years at home throughout her pregnancy, but now she's forced with her husband to go to Jerusalem, or to Bethlehem. And Luke chapter 2, in verse 5, adds something I think is rather humorous, but telling that she was great with child. Any woman that's ever had a child understands this. The word great means big. <laughs> it means large. It means pregnancy to full term. It means about to go into labor. As I looked up this word, great. It means uncomfortable. But it says again in my study, large. <laughs> and so here's Mary. She's about ready to give forth, and they're made, they're forced to go to Bethlehem. Uncomfortable to say the least. I think of Anna in the cantata. What a good job she played portraying the character of Mary. But she talked about how she was probably very thankful for that, for that uh, stable, and that manger, wore out from the travel, as we heard, approximately 60 miles from their home. They weren't home for Christmas. And the Bible does not say that she rode on a donkey. You do know that. It's poetic license. But people are thinking, how'd she get there if not a donkey? Well, they walked. Now, she may have rode a donkey. I don't want to have all of you mad at me. Okay, don't get mad at me. I know you have Christmas cards with them on their burrow, and go, I get it. But it doesn't say that. Like I said to Sunday school this morning, the angels didn't sing. It said they said or they heralded. 
glory to God in the highest. But anyway, I'm not trying to ruin your Christmas. I'm really not. I'm just trying to say it was a hard travel for them, a forced travel. Amen? We know for sure she didn't travel in a modern vehicle like we do. There was no cab to pick her and Joseph up, definitely no limo. He wasn't born into prosperity, richness. He was born into a very poor, common home. So in hardship, they were forced to travel to Bethlehem. They left their home. They were not home for Christmas. In hardship, Joseph and Mary traveled to where the child would be born. And uh, we understand that this child will be born not in a place of comfort. No. In a place of hardship. Hardship, that's what we're thinking about. And if I know Joseph as a man that had children and my wife, I would have wanted my wife to have the very best and to be most comfortable at a very uncomfortable time of her life. And Joseph, no doubt, wanted the very best for her to have her child. Amen? Amen. But when they got there, the innkeeper said they had no room. Luke 27, or 2 and verse 7, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. They settled down there in their nearby stable. There we go. Can you think of the hardship that was for Mary? Can you think of the hardship that was for that husband who wanted to comfort his wife? Amen? We also think of the hardship of where the child would be laid. Luke 2, verse 7, said they, they brought forth their firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes are just a bunch of rags, ragtag left over from other garments, other use. They weren't the best. And here she is taking her child that just been born, wrapping him up in swaddling clothes, a bunch of rags, and laying him in a feeding trough for animals. Now, I guarantee if you go over to St. Mary's Hospital in their maternity ward, they don't have swaddling clothes and they don't stick no baby in a feeding trough. Everything is as clean as it can be, as sterile as it can be. Care, everybody there to take care of that mama as she's having her birth. They have things today that you can have a baby. I hear that you don't feel anything. I hear that. I don't know about that. I personally don't know about that. Although sometimes I look like I would, but I don't. <laughs> but back then, she didn't even have a midwife. She didn't have any help at that time. But she takes her child and lays him in a manger. It's interesting. That manger is a feeding trough to feed the animals, and he, we had the bread of heaven come to us at Christmas time. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, For you know how the, uh, know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, as though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might be rich. That's amazing. That the Son of God, I was teaching the Sunday school this morning, thinking about God, choosing his Son who was God, and placing him in a womb of a virgin. So you and I could have the Christ. That's beyond our thinking. That's amazing. That's what that is. But it was certainly true that first night, a night of hardship. And it pictured hardships for the rest of his days for our Lord and Savior. Didn't have an easy way. The Bible said he had no place to lay his head. He was really not received much, especially by the religious crowd, mostly by the commoner. Amen. But he was not believed on right away. But thank the Lord, as he performed miracles and preached, people would be able to believe on him. They heard the, the, the prophecies of Old Testament, and they realized he was fulfilling each and every one of them. And so the people got excited. Amen? Because they knew in their heart that he was the true Messiah. But 
not the religious folks, not the Pharisees, not the scribes, not the Sadducees. Amen. The fact is the baby Jesus was placed in that feeding trough for a, for a bunch of barnyard animals, and it was hardship. There was hardship for the wise men. You didn't think about this. They weren't home for Christmas either. In Matthew chapter 2, we read about them in the scriptures each year. There's usually just a few texts that we go to at Christmas time, but this is a good one. Matthew chapter 2, and we'll just read a few verses. Verse, uh, so now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, verse 1, of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there, was, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, and this and saying, where is he, born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship. And verse 10 says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Verse 11, and when they were come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, Brother Aaron did a beautiful job giving us a manger scene out there as you come in. And he's got the basics. I said, don't try to do it all. Each year we'll add to it. <coughs> he really wanted to get the wise men done. And I said, well, don't worry about it. They really weren't there at, at the first. <laughs> the Bible says, according to Scripture, it was time. Some believe it was a year, 18 months, maybe even two years. You remember how Herod had made a decree to, to kill all the children two years old and younger so that he'd make sure that he killed the one who was going to take his place on the throne. I'm not trying to ruin your Christmas. So I told Aaron, hey, next year, maybe put them coming out of the woods over here. Uh, you know, they're trailing behind a little bit, but we, we, we connect them with the Christmas story. But when they did finally arrive at the house, and he wasn't an infant, he was a child, they brought these gifts. And these gifts, I want you to understand, spoke of hard times ahead. You think, oh, no, no. Yes, they were. Yes, these men traveled, many believe, over 500 miles. Think about that, 500 miles on a one-hump camel. That's something. They traveled, maybe it was a two, I don't know. But they traveled several months, perhaps a year, 18 months, somewhere along that line. And you know what? They traveled at their own expense. And they traveled because God had spoken to them through the word about the Christ being born. And these gifts they brought to him spoke of hard times. Gold, yes, for a king, but gold was used for other things as well. Frankincense was used by priests. They offered fire upon the altar, and that, swell, that smell was a sweet savor unto God. Jesus, listen, he hung on the cross of Calvary, and he, he faced the fire of God's wrath. He took his sins upon us that we would have no sin if we would believe on him. He was an offering. He faced the wrath of God for me, for you. Amen. The Bible says in Isaiah 53.10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou, uh, when thou shalt make his offering, his soul an offering for sin. Then myrrh was given. Myrrh was used to help people in great suffering, to handle pain and suffering. Today we have many narcotics to help people maybe in their last hours, maybe facing difficult illness, sickness. These all picture what? The cross of Jesus. See, these gifts given by a king were speaking, speaking of a future hardship. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 tells us, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. 
crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, Jesus faced death for you. He suffered on the cross of Calvary for you. He shed his blood for you that you believe on him and that blood would make atonement for your sins. That's why he came. That's why he wasn't home for Christmas. Mary and Joseph weren't home for Christmas. The wise men weren't home for Christmas. Myrrh was offered to Jesus on the cross. Do you realize that? Mark chapter 15, just 23, talks about wine mingled with mirth or gall. Gall, gall is a deadening drug. It's a concoction that they gave people suffering on the crosses as they died. A vinegar of wormwood, a drug like hemlock to aid in death, but Jesus refused it. Remember that? He refused it. But also, myrrh was used to anoint for the burial, the perfume of burial. So all this picture, all these gifts so long ago by the Magi, they were speaking of hardship to come. And the Lord left heaven for you and I, faced our hardship, took our sin upon him. What a Savior. Jesus bore the pain of Calvary for you and I. And then something else, when they wrapped his body after death and laid him in that tomb, the women came to prepare his body for the burial, and guess what? They used myrrh. It was what they wrapped the body in. It was a, an ointment, a perfume, to take care of a loving uh, person that they cared about to make them as best prepared for their funeral as possible. So hardship. Something else we think about that first Christmas, there is the hardship of not being welcomed by those he came to. Matthew chapter 2, in verse 3, we read the words, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Why was all Jerusalem? Because he was a maniac. They knew the motive of his heart. He wasn't wanting to worship Jesus. He wanted to know where he'd be born so he could kill him. Like he said, the decree, after he found out that he was born, he made a decree that all babies... All children two years old and younger were to be killed. So sad. That was the hardship that Jesus faced. He came into his own and his own received him not. But you know what a hardship is for Jesus today? Maybe someone here that comes to church that's heard the message, but you've never received him as your Savior. You've rejected him. You've rejected all his work, all his sacrifice. Hardships associated with first Christmas. Let me mention there, there are some good and blessed things that come out of hardship associated with Christmas. In Luke chapter 2, again, if you'd look at that with me briefly, we'll move on and be done here pretty soon. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, we see that there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping their watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord showed round about them, and they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And thou shalt, and it, this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill. Toward men. We could go on and on. But here's some hardship. 
<coughs> but good things, blessed things came out of hardship. Hardship of Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Hardship brings sometimes good things. Romans 8 tells us all things work to good for them that love God, those who are called according to his purpose. Hey, maybe you're going through a hardship right now. Just thinking of yesterday's funeral, funeral at Christmas time. I went in the morning to get something for my wife and I. We were getting ready, and I said, honey, I'll just run up to the corner and get us an omelet, bring it home. And the lady saw me there. I was all dressed for the funeral. She said, boy, you're early looking dressed like that pastor. And I said, yeah, have a funeral. And she said, oh, my. And she said, at Christmas time? I said, yeah. You see, one thing about death, it doesn't, it doesn't care about Christmas time. It doesn't care about anniversaries. It doesn't care about New Year's. It comes. It's hard. It's a hardship. Amen? But good things can come out of hardship. You see some people saved sometimes out of hardship. You see some people get right with God out of hardship. Amen? We know this. The Bible said the goodness of God leads to repentance. And that means that some things that come in our life, God would say they're good. We don't look at that, but God does. And God sees the other thing. As I was saying, you know, sickness sometimes. Nellie, the other day, she, she suffered with cancer for 15 years. Beat three different kinds. She finally went to home, to heaven. Got saved at seven years old at vacation Bible school. Isn't that sweet? That's blessed. That's so good. But she's home with Jesus for Christmas. And I know that's easy for me to say. Mom and dad are sitting here today. That's hard for them to grasp. But I promise you, God brings good things out of hard times. He has and he will. All of us must face them. But at that first Christmas, I want you to understand, good things came out of hardship. How about this? A Savior was born. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. How about this? Good news of Jesus was to deliver all people. Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. All that will believe on him. You can find good things in hard times. Good things come out of trial. You think of Mary. She travailed in birth, and we have a Christ child. Sometimes people travail in their work, and they're sustained by the Lord. And sometimes they travail in death. Sometimes death doesn't come quick. The pain and suffering lasts for sometimes months, days. I get calls as a pastor sometimes that so-and-so has been placed in hospice automatically people think, oh, hospice, that means it's days. And it can be, but the rules of hospice is you can have hospice three years out or three months out or three days out, three weeks, three days. Nellie's was quick, but sometimes hospice is called and somebody deals with that for years. Hard, hard, hard. Amen. Wonderful thing happened for a Christian. Hardship brings blessing when they step in glory. To be asked when the body is present with the Lord. Mary travailed and suffered and came and brought us our Savior. The Bible talks about Zion hath travailed. She bringeth forth children. Amen. You know, out of suffering came the birth of the church. Praise the Lord. God's people have always been facing adversity, hard times. True for the Jews. True for the church. Amen. Thirdly, this morning, I mentioned hardship will come our way, and it's ours to remain faithful till we all get home for Christmas. The hardest thing to do sometimes as a Christian is be faithful during hard times. Our flesh doesn't want to be. Our flesh gets upset. Our flesh wonders why. Our, the, <laughs> the natural man within us 
we have, a, we have an inner man of the Spirit, and that wages war with that, that fleshly man still there. And sometimes that fleshly man gives in to the suffering, the pain, the anguish, the, the sorrow. And it's ours to try to trust the Lord in the midst of our trouble, in the midst of our hardship, and God will bless us for it. But we that go through hardship must remain faithful till we get home for Christmas. And I promise you, there's a day we all get home for Christmas. My, uh, my daughters and their families are coming for Christmas. They should be here tomorrow night, and we're preparing. Boy, we're preparing. Uh, I was talking to Joe, Joe and Ruth. They're here visiting their grandkids. And I, and I said, are you surviving? Are you okay? And uh, those little ones running around, I, you get a little older. You used to cope with things better when you were raising them. When you're older, you just want to put them somewhere and close the door. Amen? But, <laughs> but I told them, I said, you know, my grandkids are coming. I think seven of them, right? Seven of them. And I said, we're going to have a great time. But usually we're around for about three days. They're going to be around for a week. Pray for me. Pray for them. But, but I'm part of the problem because I got them all Nerf guns with like 30 bullets each one. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send them in the basement. And I'm going to say, kill each other all day long. Have a good time. Just don't come upstairs. Occasionally, I'll go down and let them shoot me and kill me. I'll fall down dead, and I'll get back up, come upstairs, and they can stay down. Stare. <laughs> Amen? I don't even know why I'm telling you that. But anyway, <laughs> children are a blessing. Till we all get home, I know why. Kids are coming home, and we're looking forward to it. Amen? Yeah. One of these days, we're all going to get home. John 15, Jesus said, I am, John, uh, John 14, he says, uh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Watch it. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. Christmas at home. It's coming, but there's hardships right now. We all experience hardships and heartache in this life. I want to say to all of us this morning, let's determine to do our best, not fail God in our hardships, not question God in our hardships, not blame God for hardships. Amen? You understand that sin didn't come by God. Sin came from the devil. God has given us victory over sin. He became sin so that we can have victory. Amen? There will be home for Christmas with the Father soon. I'm going to, I used this before some years back. I'll just mention it again and then I'll come to my close here. There's a familiar song at Christmas time that we hear, most people love and adore it. Some of the younger crowd, your younger crowd may even not know about it. I don't know, but there's a famous song called I'll Be Home for Christmas. How many know that song? Well, that song was written in 1942. It was written uh, so that. Um, uh, White Christmas was the, was the uh, movie that was, it was made for by Irving Berlin. And, but in 1943, thousands of our GIs, men and women, went to war. They were in a far country, putting themselves in harm's way for us, for our freedom. We were at home having parties and get-togethers. They were in the midst of battle. They weren't sipping cider or singing carols by the home fire. They were dodging bullets. They were, they were flying planes and sailing ships on the other side of the world. 
and they fought. They fought valiantly, and today we have our troops abroad fighting against terrorism, fighting against lunatics. Amen. Sad to say, much of that is coming to our country in this progressive movement today. You understand that. Socialism is not of God. You can't find it in the Bible. If you rest and twist the scriptures, you'll find it. It's not in the Bible. But anyway, one year before, in 1942, a beloved singer and actor named Bing Crosby, he stole the hearts of the American soldiers when he sang that song, White Christmas, but especially in 1943, he sang that song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. And everybody reacted to it. Millions received it because they were missing people at the table and missing them at their Christmas. And children didn't have their daddies praying with them goodnight. It was a tough time for our military. And on Christmas 1943, he sang the song, I'm not singing it, I'm not Bing Crosby. But I'll read the words. I'll be home for Christmas. You, you can count on me. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents on the tree. Christmas Eve will find me where the love light gleams. I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dream. Now think about that, home for Christmas. I want to talk to you about who is not home for Christmas. Mary and Joseph were not home. The angels were not home. The shepherds were not home. The kings of the east were not home. There's one more group of people that are not home for Christmas. Obviously, the Lord was not home for Christmas. But obviously, we who know the Lord are not home yet for Christmas. But we're going to be. One day, we'll all get around that table. Amen. And there might be somebody not at the table that we'd want at the table. But at that time, we won't know that because the former days are past. Tears will be wiped from our eyes. Amen? So, by the way, if you're here today and you're not saved, do you realize your family is hurting because you won't come to Christ? They love you. They've tried to talk to you. They've prayed for you. Some people, I remember my dad, 17 years I prayed for dad to get saved till he got saved. Hallelujah. He's in heaven. I'll see him again. But you know the heartache of those years wondering, is dad going to be saved? I used to pray, Lord, be merciful. Help dad, Lord, to get saved. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you're not saved and you got invited to church. Don't you know your loved ones love you? They want you in heaven for Christmas with them. Jesus was not home for Christmas. And he was the furthest away from home. If anybody, if anybody suffered for Christmas, or missing home for Christmas was our Lord, away from his loved ones. Do you know when he said, <clears throat> when the Bible said that he gave up the ghost, when the Bible said it is finished, the scripture said that God the Father turned his back on Jesus. You know, when Jesus in the garden, he's praying before Calvary, he said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. You know what he's talking about? He obviously has a human side of him. He was 100% God and 100% man. That's a miraculous thing, but it's true. And he was praying, let this cup pass from me before he went to the cross. And he no doubt was thinking of the suffering he'd go through as a human. But really, he was thinking about the separation he would have from his father, and they had never been separated before. But he did that for you and me. For us to be saved. The Lord Jesus 
had the most to feel bad about, miss, be lonely, pine long after, as he came to this earth. He left the side of his father, his home in glory, his throne, the worship of his heavenly creatures. But you know, saints, one day, turn with me, 1 Timothy 3.16, we'll finish. We're going to be home for Christmas. Christmas is an amazing thing. We just pass it up because we're all into the tinsel. Does people use tinsel anymore? You know, it's funny. The other day I was talking to the children, and I said, you know, that you know, I'd sneak down and I'd open up presents. I, I thought, I shouldn't have said that. I said, I laid underneath that Christmas tree, and I'd look at those bulbs and squint my eyes and, as a child. And you know, this week I think I got three pictures of children underneath their Christmas trees. And they said, yeah, preacher was right, daddy. And then one said, yeah, pastor, but some of them were in the presence, opened them up and said, oh, I didn't mean that. But tinsel. I remember as a kid, we had all that tinsel all over the tree. It's probably a health hazard today. It's probably like mercury. You can't touch it or something. But kids, you know what I used to do with it? I used to take it and I'd put it between my lips and I'd blow on it and make a squeal. Drove my parents nuts. So if you have tinsel, help yourself. Just don't choke on it. Don't swallow it, please. Pastor, you say these things and our kids do it. I know. Isn't it fun? But 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, and without controversy, no argument, no debate, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Watch this. God, you see that? Tell this to your Jehovah Witness friend. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up the glory. How can you miss that? That's Jesus. Amen. He was received up the glory. And right now our Lord sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And one day he's coming home for the church. Amen. And then we'll all be in heaven for Christmas. Before that day comes and we look for it, it's the blessed hope and the glory superior of that great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We might have to go by the way of death. But when a Christian dies, they're home for Christmas. And someday, if I go by the undertaker rather than the upper taker, either way, I'm home for Christmas one day. And that's not true for somebody today who's not saved. I hope you get saved. What a celebration it'll be. Who wasn't home for Christmas? Well, we just preached on it today. Maybe there's somebody here today you need to get saved. You know, I think this. Christmas 2019 would be a great time, great season to get saved, to finally give in, to your stubbornness of your heart and agree with the scriptures and agree with the spirit of God, agree with the saints of God that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you please do that today if you're not saved? And if you are, saints, listen, even though Christmas brings hardship, lots of hardship, a lot of hurting hearts today, there's things ahead of us Help us to be faithful to God during those hard times. And soon we'll all be around the table in heaven enjoying Christmas. Amen. Let's bow our heads if we would, every head bow.